This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And unfortunately, I know it's going to come as a shock to a lot of people, but unfortunately, you uh, cannot predict the future, turns out. Uh, and so when people are trying to sort out how they're going to live in the future, hopefully retired from some career, they need somebody smart who knows how to do these sorts of planning uh, techniques and uh, mystical things that figure out what to do in the future when you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you need somebody like Brad Barrett. Brad, thanks for joining me. Brent, I appreciate you having me. Mystical, I like that. We're, we're, we're <laughs> going to go on that one today. <laughs> yeah, it it feels that way to me sometimes. It's like sometimes I'll get uh, an appraisal report on a property, and I read through the appraisal report, and I get to the end, and they say what they think the value of the property is. And it's like, you know, the property is X based on all of our experience and the data that's in this report. It's like, wow, that was some magic. Yeah. We got a number, but it seemed like magic. Yep. I mean, that's the way a lot of our clients, in my experience, has been around, you know, retirement and planning for the future. You were kind of alluding to at the top of the show. It's like, you know, they kind of have this number in their mind or they were told about some number and they think that that works for them. It's an interesting thing in doing this as long as I have to remind them that everyone's number is unique. And just because someone else has one doesn't mean it's right for you. And mm -hmm. I mean, figuring out your number is what's really important, right? And what works for you. So planning for tomorrow does actually matter. And you can make it less mystical, <laughs> you know with some pragmatic approaches, if you will. I would hope so. Yeah. So, well, well, help me out there then. How do you start that process? Uh, do you start with trying to figure out the number or is there some other starting point? Yeah. So at our firm, so one capital management, our job as private wealth managers for our clients, you know, we, we have a saying here that, that goes simple and elegant. And it's really no more robust than that. If you make it simple for the client, by the way, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's like dumbed down or something like that. It's simple to that they can articulate it, right? Um, and elegant in the sense of everything from client, the experience with the client um, to, you know, the overall elegance of what they want to see happen. And that first starting point with us starts with what we call our discovery meeting. So whether it was a referral or, you know, someone that called in from our show or, or anything like that, you know, we, we start with discovering who they are. And, and Brent, to your question, what we we go through there, and I think anyone you know listening here, if you sit with a financial advisor, whatever they call themselves, they call them different things, right? Financial services professional or private wealth manager, financial advisor, this, and you know someone who's going to advise you on your retirement plans and help you invest towards those plans, those goals, right? The good ones will sit with you and talk with you not just about the quantitative data, the numbers, the numerical items, your income, your assets, but also your qualitative. So for us, we take an approach to really understand who our clients are. And one of my questions I ask is, why are you here today? And what what about money? What does money mean to you? And I got I got to be honest, Brian, you should see some of the. And I do it on purpose. And I tell them this. This is kind of a tee up, and I apologize. It does have some fun together. You know, it, the 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 deer in the headlight looks when I ask that question. They've never been asked that before. Believe it or not, it matters because their values, their interests, their hobbies, their relationships. These are all things that you wouldn't think come up in a financial advisory discovery meeting or, you know, but to us and to a good advisor, they'll matter because it, it helps dictate kind of 
without realizing it, what money means to them. I mean, we all know money is just a tool. It's not the thing that's going to get us there. It's what it does for and why it matters because it does, believe it or not, matter to people differently and where they yeah. come from, their background. And, you know, when we meet with them on a Tuesday, we're literally planning for Wednesday and beyond. You know, my wife has a saying in our house when we do the dishes at night because she has to wake up to a clean house in the morning, right? She says, we're doing it tonight because we're going to be kind to our tomorrow self. And I've always kind of ran with that and said, you know, as much as I'm kind of begrudgingly doing this at 8.30 after putting the kids down for 20 minutes, I really do enjoy waking up the next morning to a nice clean house with a fresh start day. And it's a simple example I bring into my even practice here and say, you, know, you want to be kind to your tomorrow self. And you can only do that by taking care of yourself today for tomorrow. And so right. great question, Brent. I mean, you look, the numbers are important. Your income, your assets, your debts, those need to be built out and, and understood and forecasted. Yeah with growth numbers, with you know, contribution numbers, with inflation numbers, investment, you know, um, returns, all that. But I think equally as important is ultimately what you want to do with your, and that will ultimately define the number we kind of spoke about, right? Uh, right? Essentially how much you need to retire. I mean, every client that I've ever met with in 19 years of doing this that has come in without realizing it, they all have one common question in mind. And that is, will I be okay? Like, will I, I mean, in the sub questions to that of, you know, will I always have enough money? Will I have enough to retire when I want to? So you can see there's a lot of questions in there. It's like, okay, well, let's define when. Because retirement, right. to be clear, in my world, doesn't really mean you're 65 years old. Because I think a lot of us, if we're honest, for those listening, if you ask yourself and someone said the word retirement, you would immediately attach it to your grandparents or your parents. Or maybe you're in that stage right now in your 60s and you think of this number. And that's fine. By the way, there's a reason for that. The government is basically marketed it to us without even realizing it because they have what's called an NRA and the retirement is between 65 and 67. But ultimately, retirement is when you want to become financially free. I have plenty of clients who are retired and they're 40. Now, some people might say, oh, that sounds amazing, right? But there's a lot of work that went into that. And so it's being able to live off the assets. Essentially, retirement means being able to be financially free from an income source and rely on the assets you put aside. That's it. Yeah. Well, let's let. OK, I, I want to ask you about about those two things, because I, sure. I do think they're related. But that's <clears throat> uh, it's a very deep topic. But the first topic about kind of uh, qualitative measures of money, how people view money, how they how they relate to money uh, is an interesting one because everybody has some amount of emotional relationship with money, but it is not a mutual relationship. Like Correct. money doesn't care about you, unfortunately. You can care it's about it all you want. It will not care about you back. So sort of figuring out, it seems to me, and because you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that you know, kind of figuring out what is the appropriate emotional relationship to that money that then will get you to whatever the goal is sometimes could be the first step because if you already have an unhealthy relationship to money. So let's say you're somebody, you just want to save money. You never want to spend anything. You you just can't possibly fathom spending money. You're going to have a hard time retiring because you have to spend some of your money. Like that, re, that relationship with money isn't going to work. And the opposite, of course, is true too. If you just spend all your money and you never put the money away today for your future self, uh, you're not going to retire. You can imagine, you know, and us talking here and just, you know, the practice we've built and then we'll be been able to be blessed to serve with, you know, over 2000 clients across this nation. It's like I've seen everything you just described 500 times over. Right. And I think, you know, that's a lot to unpack there. And I think it's important for us all to understand and be candid. And let's just go back to like first base here. Say, look, at every moment of every day, regardless of the topic, but obviously a big one for all of us is money. I mean, I'd argue this. Right. I don't think there's been a single day of anyone, you and I or anyone listening that is not thought about money since 18 years old, probably before that, right? Whatever context, whether it's how much you can afford for a dinner, what you're paying down, what you want to buy. I mean, it is like the most reoccurring thought 
at all yep. times, right or wrong. And we'll get into that in a second. But I think when you start about understanding the two brains, the two things we have going on at all times, and they're at war with each other. And we, as soon as we understand this psychologically, we'll be able to better understand who we are in relation. We have a rational brain, the logic side. That's our actual brain above our neck, right? Then we have what my seven-year-old calls his tum-tum. <laughs> we, have our, we have our emotions and our stomach, and they're at on, constant odds, right? We emotionally check into something and want something for whatever reason. And a lot of times it's subliminally marketed to us that we feel like we need it. Mr. Jones down the street has it and all those kind of philosophies. And logically, you're also kind of fighting with that and whether or not that's the right move. Your pragmatic brain is stepping in, you know, and you kind of have this stress, this inter- this like internal turmoil, if you will, constantly, specifically around the relationship to money. And I think it's really what you said that brand was perfect. It's a it's a one way street. I mean, money, money does not care about you. I, um a pastor once told me a while ago, and I love this statement, he says, the money we have today, if you looked at a dollar bill or looked at your account, understand this, at some point it will be somebody else's. And before you got it, it was someone else's. So understanding that's a it's a medium for change, if you will, and how you use it kind of dictates where your identity is. And I think that's really where you will start to understand your relationship to money, in my opinion, is if your if your worth and your identity, not net worth in terms of money. I'm talking about your actual human right, being to right. this world, your community, your family, your friends. If it's wrapped up in money, you have it wrong in your relationship in the sense like you think it cares about you. And I can promise you, it, you know, to your point, which is totally a good one. Right. And I, I think, you know, the summation of understanding that your real true worth is if you lost everything. Right. And understanding that identity. Now. Then all of a sudden you start bringing money into your power in the sense like it's more of a clean relationship where you're using it for the goals you want to and not getting emotionally attached to it. Now, I understand very clearly this is easier said than done, right? Because, of course, again, money's, you know, one of the most reoccurring topics in our mind. I mean, even from the good book of the Bible, it's the second most, it's the most talked about thing in the Bible above love. I mean, think about that. Whether or not you're religious or not is irrelevant. It's really about the, the context of this topic that you and I speak about with clients. You know, I've been blessed to serve those people. It's crazy, you know? And so I always try to take an approach with really understanding that who they are and you, know, you made that example, which was good, right? This is an example that happened a couple months ago. It speaks right to what you just said, Brian. There was a client I met with on a Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. And literally two days later, I had the same discussion with that same client, but a different client, completely different background. Now, real quickly, I'm like the Monday or Tuesday, it was a client. I was a new client. We were doing a quarterly review. And in the kind of the rediscovery, if you will, with some other items we were going through, they had mentioned to me that their parents, they were about 45. Um, their parents retired when they were about 70, worked at a place for like 35 years, seven months into retirement, came down with a brain tumor. And he had very clear, him and his wife very clearly told me that their relationship to their money was very clear and that we want to live for today. They're 45, mind you. We were going through their financial plan. They were very open with me about that they want to live for today. And how am I going to argue that? Because of what, because something cathartic sure. happens in our lives and it changes us, right? Yeah. This, literally, no joke. Two days later, I was having a conversation with a client again in a second or second or third review, completely different scenario. We had the conversation. We got into the discussion about estate planning and legacy assets, something I know you talk about heavily. And they were having a conversation saying they were about the same age, about maybe five years older. No, maybe about 10 years old, 55. And they were like, hey, my parents are still alive and kicking. They're 98 years old. And so their worry, if you will, or concern about their money contextually was running out of money. They had good genes on their side. And they're like, hey, we want to make sure we plan this out. We're trying not to spend too much or you know, live for today kind of thing. And I just I remember sitting back at the end of that week being like, those are two great examples of clients that literally happened in a matter of 72 hours of an example you just brought up around how we all view money and the things that not only 
we start out our life with, but then what shapes us throughout our life. And I think that goes back to really my, our discovery meeting I talked about around behavioral financial. De- we don't realize that I talked about rational and, and, and emotional, but we also have two things going on in our DNA. We have, you know, kind of the God given, no different than the color of our eyes and hair color, just whatever we were given. And then we have the circumstantial, right? The stuff we live through. That's called yeah. life. Yeah. This is the whole nurture nature thing. Trust me, I know this sounds kind of a little bit hooby-dooby, but coming from a financial advisor, why is this guy talking about this? But it plays out so much in a in a large topic like money, and they don't realize it. It's kind of like this undertone of things going on in their decision-making around their investments that comes out. And I can see it because I've experienced it. But my job is to kind of bring them, a, I, want, I want them to realize it for themselves. And if you ask the right questions and you get them to it, you start getting out from them and they start saying it out loud for the first time and start realizing that they have a, a context about money that they might not even realize they had. Sometimes it's realizing that their worth is wrapped up in it, so we work on that. Sometimes it's realizing they have unrealistic expectations based on cathartic events that have happened in their lives. We have to kind of like bring them in the middle. And our job is never to tell them, you know, what to do or how to do it. It's really to enroll them in their own process. And I think anyone who's working with an advisor or or, or looking to work with one, you want to find someone that you don't want to fire, you know, telling you what to do. So um, yeah, that that doesn't work so well with people, anyways. If you try to just tell them what to do, a lot of them will just not want to do the thing you're telling them to do. But they, but you're, I think you're 100% right that the 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 relationship, the context, the genetics, the experience, the the life that you've lived all play into the relationship that uh, people have with money and then plays into this idea of, and now you're going to plan for how you're going to have that relationship with money in the future, right? You're gonna, this is going to happen in the future when you retire. And then what's going to happen to the money at that point? And it's just... Well, to me, it has right. always it's 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 like to me, it's always it's always struck me as like an almost impossible conversation to help people have, which is why a lot of times it takes somebody who has a lot of experience and knows the ins and outs of the way people behave, like you're describing, who can guide them, because otherwise it's like, it's almost so esoteric. You couldn't make a decision. It's true. You get that whole paralysis by analysis almost and you can't even move. Right. But it's to your point. You know, it's the old saying, right? You don't know where you're going until you know where you've been, mm-hmm. right? And so I think when someone comes in for a discovery meeting thinking they're talking about future planning, and we are, but I have to kind of understand where they're coming from, and I want them to understand. They probably – most of the times I've been told by clients they've never been – you know, these, these kind of questions or discussions haven't really come up. It's really more about, okay, what do you have? Okay, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how aggressive are you? Uh, okay, how old are you? You know, it's like basic questions. And, you know – to truly have a long lasting relationship and to under and to again I'm gonna use this word again, but to be enrolled in your in yourself because any good advisor, any good counsel like you, we, we can we can lead them to water. We can even provide them some salt to make them thirsty, you know, but we can't make them drink, right? And so right. if we lead them down that path in a very holistic sense, kind of looking at everything, understanding where they've come from, understanding themselves a little bit more around the topic of money. First off, you have a better relationship with whoever's guiding you. You kind of can see clearly. You kind of see who they are. And then then you can really get into the meat of, okay, what are your goals and objectives with the money? And that's when the numerical data starts coming. You start working, you know, real stuff that people are dealing with. Like, should I pay off debt first before I invest? You know, um, I have a mortgage under 3% right now. Should I ever refi? I mean, there's a lot of these new questions lately, right? And so right. it's just like all these questions that come up, but before you get there. And I know it sounds like work, but it's not that much work if you do it right. Kind of know where you're coming from when it relates to money is, is kind of big as it relates to this topic we're talking about, about where you're going to go. Right. So once you, let's say that you've kind of 
you've circled the wagons a little bit on the what the number might be in retirement, like what they want that will cover the lifestyle that they're kind of, they think today that they will want in the future. How do you how do you typically approach the attack on that? Is it more about accumulating assets? Is it more about creating income? Maybe it's income off of assets. Is it a combination? Does it just depend on the client and their circumstances? What's kind of your process? Yeah, I think to start out with, I think it's, you know, a pretty obvious answer and not to be, not to be like glib about it, but it's one of those things where it's like, it depends on the season they're in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with a client is in their fifties, it's different than being with their client in their twenties. You know what I mean? So it starts there with kind of the ages and stages, as I call it. So we, we tailor and, and customize a plan based on their goals relative age a little bit because the one big thing that people need to understand that the best investment you can make in anything in life is so before you start talking about a stock or an investment or, or, or anything else, understanding your time is the most valuable asset you have. So and, and by the way, in all calculations of rate of return, all calculations of time value of money, time is a, the biggest factor. So when we're, we've gone through the discovery reality, we then kind of we will we'll customize a plan relative to what's coming in versus what's going out, their debt payments, then their their liquid assets versus their illiquid assets, that's, you know, investment accounts versus real estate, for example, um, you know, income, what sources you're going to have later on in life, whether that's pensions or Social Security, like all those numer- all that numerical data comes back into play, no doubt. Right. You know, but then then tracking and focusing on some things that you can do today that sound really like elementary, but are so important. Like one of the things I bring up often with people is, you know, if you think about it, U.S., you know, the entire United States wide, if you look at the number one asset, liquid asset that households have, it's their 401k plan or their retirement. plan. That's like the one main asset people has. And I think I think we have a little bit confused. I think people think, oh, it's because they invested the right way or they hired the right advisor or they had the right plan or whatever. I disagree with that. <laughs> I think and I will firmly believe this in as many years as I've done this, that the reason why that's the largest asset, largest liquid asset in someone's retirement plan or someone's like, you know, life cycle is because it's usually the only thing that's contributed to on a disciplined basis, putting into it from your paycheck every two weeks for, let's say, 30 years. Very rarely can someone say to me that they've been doing that in a brokerage account the same way for that long. Right. right? Something comes up. Right, Brent? Oh, I, I need this new car and I need this new watch and I need this, 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 this. Right. And then and I get that. It's all important. Whatever. Right. It's just you take that. And that's a in our nerd world, we call that dollar cost averaging. So putting in place some very systematic things to, again, the idea is to take the emotions out of it. If you remove the emotions out of it, you stick to a plan, it's amazing what you'll see happen, right? right. You say, look, based on my plan of my free cash flow on top of my debt payments, I can put $200 a month towards something. If you react to what's in that $200 a month, you should know what's in it and your advisor should go through it with you, no doubt, and continually talk to you about it. But you know, you want to be what I call actively waiting. Like You don't want to set it and forget it. You kind of want to actively wait. You like the positions. You have the advisor you trust. Wait those things out and make sure it's, it's the long game. You're right back to my relationship on time. Um, you know, and those kind of, again, sounds elementary, but you can put some really great tools in place to mimic, if you will, some things that we know are factual. and We just bring them into your world and, and help you build that. And um, the phases of life you're in, the ages of stages. I mean, there's my world is really three. There's the learning phase, right? You're learning your craft, your trade, what have you, right? You know, there's the yearning where you're actually starting to earn it, you know, save, hopefully invest. You know, this is the time period we're really talking about. Ultimately, get into the third phase, which is the distribution or spending phase, right? right. I've always said this. It's an interesting notion, but you think about it, right? We usually, <laughs> you know, sacrifice our health for our wealth when we're younger, and then we ultimately switch that around and sacrifice our wealth for our health when we're older, 
So I think striking that balance somewhere in there is a matter of fact, too, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whatever those things are, take care of yourself along the way. Because, again, time, what's what's it to you to save for 30, 40 years only to be able to use it for five? You know what I mean? Yeah. So being and mobile and keeping everything else going is important. So those phases matter, I guess, when we meet with a client, how we build a plan. Well, and it sounds like when you're talking about building a plan and in some respects, it's building a system mm-hmm. so that you can take as much of the discretionary decision making out of the equation as possible. Yeah. And we like don't want to get some, too rope. That's a great. It's yeah. A not a rope. Yeah. Not right. No, no, no you're not right. Like a robot though, or the dictator like we were talking yeah, about, it's, which it's doesn't one work. Of those, and remember, they're in, our clients are enrolled in that. Right. So it's systematically right. building a process to just elaborate on that point right? that that they're enrolled with, that they see the clear goal behind it, right? Because, I mean, you can run some pretty easy hypotheticals based on getting to a number that will define that you would need to be able to, again, live, right? That's the whole, lately it's been this whole FIRE movement, right? The financial yeah. independent retire early. I mean, that's just a, whatever. That's a bunch of the influence out there talking about what we've always talked about, which is distribution, you know? Right. Just a, you know, that's all that is, um, which is great, fine. You can multiply it by 25 or you can, you know, take the number divided by four or five percent, which is a sustainable distribution that helps you get to those numbers so comfortable. Right. Um, but, you know, when we're doing that, we're creating a process to get to that goal for them. Yeah. And the beauty of that is when you do that, I've, I've been told, though, when you, when you do that, you feel like you're, you're only black and white. There's no color. There's no what's the saying. Right. Spontaneity is the spice of life. Right. You can still have it, but you have it now in a more appropriate approach. Right. Instead of doing it just kind of willy nilly shooting from the hip. You now have a process in place that you've helped build with your advisor that's stewarding it for you. And then you can take five, 10 percent on a whim, on an investment, on on a on a something else. Right. That won't disrupt or what I call provide a material change to the greater goal. And I think, believe it or not, people say, OK, well, by having a plan and being systematic and operational like that, you lose freedom. And I actually disagree. I think it, you get more freedom out of that because, you know, at least there's this goal you've got in mind set up and you can actually build some areas in there at a risk-free rate to say, okay, I know my plan. And if I put this aside and I can do it, if it doesn't pan out, then it's not going to disrupt my overall goal. It creates less stress. I also think it creates more clear thinking when it comes to what you're putting your stuff into, your investment. In. Um, right. There's a lot of cool things you can build with a system, systemized process. Yeah. And, and to your point, it's your process, you know, it's your system, it's your process. It's building towards the goals that you have decided in all of this discovery yeah. and questioning that we were talking about earlier yeah, like all the numbers are theirs all the numbers are yours whoever's listening your client you can go through this and you talk with an advisor they're your numbers they're your goals your objectives they're just put into a, 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 a i call it a 3d environment versus your maybe two dimension you can only see past so far right right and that's where you just would hire someone a counsel advisor to help you you know build that you know the analogy always will be i think it's a good one is like you own the car you're the driver you're just hiring someone to be in the, the you know the co-pilot seat giving you directions on a place he may have been before Right. Helping you avoid the potholes. You can take detours as long as he kind of knows how to get you back on track. Just, you know, use whatever analogy you want to use, but it, it is your it is your design and your process. Just having some. So do you think that that going through that uh, that process, helping people design the plan that matches up with what they're telling you is is an important part then of of helping them to be encouraged to actually implement the plan? I guess is, I think it, is what I'm getting at. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not your yeah. plan, it's their plan. So if they're, you know, you think they're more invested in that way and then likelihood of success goes up. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think if you think about anything in life, right, the more you're enrolled in it, you know, it's, it's, I keep using that word, but the more you're like 
really engaged and enrolled in it, I think the the higher the success rate will become, you know, because that to me leads into the whole world of like being motivated is great, but I want to talk to that same motivated person at 3 p.m. I call it like the coffee hut, right? Someone who's like, oh, or like the, you know, the new year, new you people, right? And I, we're all, we've all done this, right? I'm myself included, right? Oh, this year I'm going to diet and lose weight and work out and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, come February, it's all, you know, all hell's broke right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like when you're enrolled in a process and you have an accountability partner, which is essentially what we're talking about here, you're able to kind of get back on track and have your cheat days or have your things to be able to kind of keep on the same line. And I've noticed, I can only speak from experience, I guess. I don't have any empirical data to back this up per se, but I've noticed that when they know they have a plan in place and there's trust in the relationship with that, there's more freedom and more, frankly, joy in what they're doing and why they're saving it. I think we all can answer it this way. Like, wouldn't you... If you're saving right now, say, or you're investing on a continual basis, wouldn't you want to know essentially where that's going? Yeah. Right? I mean, when's the last time you got into a car and drove around aimless? You know, like, we're, we're all going for a destination. So it's like you want to do that with something as important as your Yeah. And it might take you an hour to get there versus a 10-minute drive. And Buffett always said it best, right? He's like, I can teach people to be a billionaire, but no one wants to get rich slowly. <laughs> right? True. We all yeah. want to get rich fast. And it's like, look, that's not the way money works. Take it from a guy who's a billionaire. I mean, he even says it. Like, come on. Yeah. And compound interest and over investment, it will work for you. You just got you time back to the biggest commodity we all have in life is time. Well, it gets to something you were describing right at the beginning of this conversation. And and that's kind of the the definition of retirement to that person. And I think we're using the term in a pretty generic sense, but it it's not necessarily a, it, everybody thinks of it, I think, in terms of retirement means you don't work. I think that's necessarily true. I think retirement can just mean you do something different than the thing that you that you did previously, or maybe you do it in a different way that is different from the way you did it previously, maybe on a full time basis. So I'm, I think it removes I, I, the, the yeah, thing I, I get, share there, Brent, is the dependence. Yeah. Think about it from a dependence. Yes. Yes. If that's why I like the word independent in the sense yes. of freedom, because they kind of go hand in hand, but they're actually very different. When you are not dependent on a source of income that was coming from, say, an employer. You may work for another employer or do other work, if you will. So it doesn't, like, to your point, I totally agree with you. It doesn't mean we're not working. We're just independent. We're no longer dependent on a source of income. We are dependent. We will always be dependent on a source of income from somewhere. But let's be clear. But, and, but then we kind of talk about where those sources of income are. An employer that can fire you, for example, or, or uh, if you're a business owner and you, your, your clients could fire you, right? I mean, these are all risks that you take. But if you put money aside and your lifestyle can support it off of that money, you now become independent. And now you can do whatever it is you want to do. It might be working somewhere else. It might be, you know, creating another business or I have clients who've become rock stars. I joke about it. They were in their sixties and they always played music and now they're touring and just making ends meet and they love it, but they have assets put aside to be independent to do that. So yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's a vague definition, definition. I think it doesn't mean you're not working. I also think it doesn't mean it's, it's not relative to, it. I think we do attach it to. It. Yeah, I agree with you there. Retirement no. is such like a fuddy duddy, like, Oh, you know, if you talk to a 30-year-old, they think I'm talking about their grandparents. Well, wait a minute. It's going to happen. Retirement just means you're going to be wanting to be ended at some point. Right. You know? Yes. No, that's it's exactly what I was trying to tease out there, that the, the I, even the construct and the idea of retirement is it's not consistent among people. And I can only speak from kind of like you, like experience of seeing my yeah. clients and what they all do. And some of them do it one way and some of them do it a very, very different way. Uh, but they would all tell you to your face that they're retired, every yeah. one of them. You know, yep. but they're all doing this huge wide swath of things with their with their time and interests. Uh, and, and maybe it just gets back to what we've been talking about, the, like the value. What's the value? 
Because yeah. whatever their value is, then this thing in whatever phase of morphing it is, this retirement thing, then it just has to be a phase that matches up with that value. Yeah. And I, in all my experience of doing as many discovery meetings and, and plans I've ran and, and everything, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. That word value is everything. If you see value in something, the price of it, let's say, is somewhat irrelevant. If you see value in something, the time it takes is somewhat relevant, right? I mean, you can go down the line here. To that end, I've shared this, I've mentioned this time concept and I want to, I want to, there's, there's one thing that I know that I think across the board, the common denominator is this is I, I would bet that every single person values time more than money and prove it. And here's my one parlor trick. <laughs> if you're ready, tell my seven year old, like your dad is the most boring human being in the world. I just run lawn and for clients. Sexy thing to do, but it works. And you know, it's, it's, I love doing it because I love relationships, but I have one parlor trick, right? And I was like, if a 95 year old came to you right now and said, Hey, Brent, I'll give you $10 billion, but you have to trade places with me permanently. Would you do it? Probably no, right? No. Uh, sorry. My answer is no. Personally, right. no. And I've, I've, I've mentioned this on radio shows I've done. I've mentioned this on shows, on seminars, on workshops, webinars, and you name it. I've never heard a yes. Now, the right. only time I might hear a yes is if someone's 89 <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> eh, six years. All right. So again, there's a, there's a construct you have to put in there, but for most of us, no. And the reason being is because you might be Bezos rich, but who cares? You're going to lose 40, 50, 60 years of your life. No way. Right. So, you know, you got to remember that time matters most. I mean, we're, everyone's trying to buy time, trying to look younger, feel younger in the physical. I mean, we all know this in the physical world. And essentially when you're investing money right now, back to the premise of today, right? If you think about it, what you do today is setting yourself up for tomorrow, but one thing you're really doing is you're buying yourself time. Every dollar you put away today, you're essentially moving a dollar that you need less than, right? Because mm-hmm. you put it aside, you then can pull from it at some point. So you're buying yourself time back. And the more aggressive you are with those amounts early on, the more time you're going to get back earlier on. It's, it's, it's a simple tug of war thing. The more you put in, the more you're going to get out. It's that simple. Yeah. Know? I think the sooner we start taking out the this crazy world of what to invest in and, oh, I listen to this person or I subscribe to this person. I mean, look, all great, but don't don't lose the forest for the trees here. You know, let's let's focus on the bigger piece here is that, you know, if you want to become independent, want to pay your debt off, you want to you know invest, have liquid assets, you want to focus less on what you own, but how you own it and then what you're doing to create that. And, and that starts with very simply going into a disciplined approach back to that structure, that system, that process building it for yourself, understanding what that means for you and your family, you know, and, and live it out. You know, I think the, the volatility will be less, the risk, the, the overall, I guess the volatility will be less impactful to you. Mm-hmm. I think the stress will come down. I've seen that as well. Clients have told me that, you know, stress comes down a little bit when they know it's kind of like, you know, not on an automatic, but it's kind of an, a systemized approach. And I think a lot of us want to reduce stress as well because so there's just so many factors in this that play into it that, have, as you can see, so much less to do with numbers than kind of how you're doing it and what you're trying to help yourself with, which essentially. Yeah. Uh, it, and just exactly what you said. It's amazing how little it has to do with numbers and, and actually has very little to do with money and a lot to do with everything else. You you and I could talk about this all day. I know you also have other things to do with yeah. your life, not just talk to me. So, um, Brad, if, if people are trying to talk to you or reach out to you or connect, how do they do that best? You know, first off, Brent, I appreciate the time. And yeah, we could talk forever. And I, I love that. Um, I think the best way, you know, we have a show, weekly show called Make Your Money Matter with Brad Barrett. You can find us on YouTube. 
Um, I definitely would say download and subscribe, obviously, to our show to kind of hear what we're kind of saying and more on this topic for sure. Um, you can also go to our website at onecapital.com. You can find out more about me or any one of our fiduciary, credentialed, and experienced advisors there. You know, we love being on these shows and kind of spreading the word on some things that I don't know is being talked about a whole lot. And I wanted to come at it from an experience side and just let you know that was okay for our listeners. Love it. Yeah. So anybody looking for those resources, you can go there. I'll, I'll add all the links and the show notes and things. So you can go, you can find them there. Of course, you can always just Google uh, Brad Barrett. And I'm, my guess is you're going to find him because he exists in this world and is an <laughs> active member of society. But you never know. You know, Brad, Brad, I actually found out something last week on a show I was doing. I got oh. asked if I was the other Brad Barrett. Apparently, there's two of us. I had no idea. So, no. Yeah, there is, that's what I said. Yeah. I said, oh, hold on, hold on. There's only one. Yeah, you might share my name, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a joke. I just like, stop to that nonsense. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> that's not the Brad Barrett. That's a Brad Barrett. I appreciate it, Brad. I really do. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.